I'm here at the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco at the IGF Student Showcase, and with me today is a special guest. How about you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Jamie Antonis. I'm the creative director on Spectre. And what's, what's Spectre about? Spectre is a biographical platformer. It's basically a game where you play an old man looking back at his life, and uh, you walk back and forth through the timeline of his life, searching for memories and searching for a glowing path of memories to, uh, to follow and discover a story. And there are 54 different ways that you can do this and discover different threads in the character's life. So when you find these memories, um, how, how is that tied to the stages? Because it seems like every stage is a different memory, or how, how does that work? It's a little bit complicated. We'll freely admit that. Um, the gameplay itself is simple. You're simply walking back and forth and jumping through this area. But the, uh, there are stages for sort of different times in the character's life that are these overworlds that are filled with memories. Um, each one of those memories has a, um, a unique story element to it that's told in voiceover and text. And, uh, and it also has a mini-game, a sort of small game that sort of connects to the way that the character's uh, feeling or experiencing the memory. And we have a, a set of seven types of games and many different levels for each of them. So, but they're a little bit more abstract. They're a little bit more related to the themes and the emotions in the game. And, you know, what inspired this idea? Uh, this, this idea evolved, um, has been evolving for a while. We submitted a old version of this for uh, the 2009 IGF. Uh, we actually formed this team around that notion, spent five weeks and hammered out this prototype. Um, and, you know, we had some of these ideas in there, and we came, went back and looked at it later and thought, okay, how can we fix this, make it clearer and more interesting? So, um, the seed of the idea is about, uh, really came out of this idea that you can use a game to tell how many different possible life stories there are in one life. Um, the, the, a game might be a good medium to do that, uh, more so than a movie, in which you really need to sort of focus on one theme or thread, or else, or else what do you really get? You get it's too confusing. Um, and, and this was sort of our solution to how to do that and keep the player engaged and interested and, uh, and really an active part of this storytelling process as much as possible. And so you release it, you, you submit it to 2000 IGF, it doesn't get nominated. What inspires you to keep going? What, what? Well, a couple things do that. I, I'll, I'll admit when it first does, when, of course, when, when you uh, don't get into a competition at first, your first response is, well, okay, let's, let's move on. But, uh, but I had thought to myself I wanted to do this for my thesis, and I sort of thought there was still something else there. So uh, I guess it was a process of talking to the rest of the team and um, seeing if other people felt that way. And I think we all sort of felt there, there was more life and energy in the project. So, I mean, I would encourage anyone who uh, does a first pass at something and it gets a little discouraged to try to refine your idea because there may be more that you can do with it. Um, you know, at the same time, know when you're done. Um, like, I don't think that we're going to make nine more versions of Spectre even though there are, there are still things that we might change. But. Um, so what did you decide on changing as you decided to move forward? Um, well, we're actually planning to, on the website, release some of the older versions of the game because um, even though we're sort of embarrassed of, of them you know, on a game, game design level, yeah. uh, we think it's, it's informative to look at how that how a game like that gets built up from sort of crazy ideas that don't work into some crazy ideas that work a little better. Um, we, uh, 
Sorry, I, one more time. One more time the question. <laughs> I, I got yeah. caught up. Basically, yeah. what did you change when you decided that, hey, I didn't get nominated for IGF, but I'm still going to keep doing it? Sure. So what's, you know... Sure, I'll tell you. I, originally, uh, the design was actually a little bit more passage in a way, where you start as a young child, where you are, are still telling the story, but you start as a young child, and each memory gets um, gets you older along this timeline of the life. And uh, what we sort of decided to do is, first of all, um, we had all these different types of memories that were very different on the screen, and it was much more like playing a uh, this sort of weird psychological Mario Brothers game. And uh, what we decided is that that's not really the sort of story that we want to tell. So we, uh, we changed the way that memories work. Um, so you're actually walking through this timeline of your life, which people seem to understand better. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I mean, how do you visually show that you're walking through the timeline of your life? Well, that was a hard thing, and that was actually a really late decision, which improved the game immensely. It used to be that you selected your starting age from a menu, which was incredibly confusing for people because they hadn't played the game, and they thought, what, what is this menu with ages listed? Um, we just tried to find the most elegant solution for quickly explaining to people that you are walking through this timeline of your life. And what you're basically doing is you, you start out in the snow in the forest where you're telling the story and you walk to the right and you become a child. And if you walk further um, through these trees, you become a teenager or an adult or an old man. And that very quickly gave people the idea, ah, it's all one guy walking through his life. We just showed him instead of trying to uh, you know, tell them in a lesson. And, and so let's talk about playtesting because it seems like a big role. How, I mean, what did you do with playtesting? How did it impact your design? And, you know, what was the, the response from different genders, different age groups and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. Um, playtesting is, is huge at USC. I think we've definitely learned that it's important to playtest a lot, uh, you know, often. Um, we our first playtest was really that first version of the game because we were just doing it. You know, we were just doing it as, as quickly as possible. And I think we got some positive feedback, some a, a lot of head scratches though. And we had to really talk to people and um, I, I guess this is this is not something that you always want to do, but we had to explain to folks afterwards what we sort of wanted to do and sort of tease out from them what we first of all what 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 they had experienced and sort of come to a place where we could uh, we could come to a middle ground there uh, and figure out okay how what it, figure out what what the game already felt like to players and uh, and improve on that. The other thing that was really important for playtesting was uh, we play tested the mini games a lot and we and we play tested them to see um, not in a normal way just to say is this fun or not, but um, does this feel like the memory that like the memory that we're describing? Does this feel uh, like the right emotion for for um, for this memory? And uh, and that was a really tough process because you have to sort of ask people what is a uh, what sort of stuff would you associate with fear and with desire and with being really happy? Yeah, um, yeah we play tested a lot of those, and I, I will admit um, we made changes based on all the feedback we've gotten very recently for the IGF floor. So honestly, this is this is one more play test of these uh, of these new mini games that we've sort of uh, improved upon a little bit. And what would you say are you know you you have a team, so how do you keep them motivated? Because this seems like a, a year-long project, then, a year-and-a-half-long project. How do you keep them motivated? What, what were some of the issues? And was this done through class or outside of class? Um, well, for me, this was a um, school project, but sure. it became my thesis. For, every, for the other students, for the other students, this was a uh, 
free time project. So motivation is a is a tough thing. I think I, I was really lucky in one respect in that I have a team which is um, really excited about these challenges and these ideas and I also um, made it clear from the beginning, I'll, I'll tell anyone, this is not my game, this is our game. So everything that happens with this game, every, everyone, I want everyone to get credit for it. I want to make sure everyone's business cards are out there and that I'm talking about, you know, Sean, Bill, Kim, Asher, Sam, you know, about everyone who worked on the game. Um, that gives people more ownership and no one wants to be a cog in the machine. Everyone wants ownership over what they're doing. And especially on a small team, you really need to put that first to make sure that people um, feel like it's, it's partly theirs and you're not just you're not just going to tell them what to do. You're going to ask them, what should we do? And, and how did you find Student Steven help you in the first place? Did you post flyers? Yeah, that's another place where I was sort of lucky. Um, in that uh, my, my friend Sean and I had worked together on several projects before and we basically knew that we worked together well. He was just starting up in the master's program though um, and he ended up knowing a bunch of other first year master's students who were just looking for interesting projects and uh, you know, found some folks who were really um, really interested in that and, and also uh, Asher Bulmer who is the programmer on this yeah. I worked with on a PV Winterbottom. Yeah, we uh, he did some he did some coding for that. I did writing, and I mean that's how you do it. You um you work with other people in other roles. I don't think if I had just come out of nowhere and said, "Hey, I want to be a lead designer," everyone listen to me. Yeah. Um, like th that doesn't work on, on a lot of different levels. What it's about is is working with people on other projects and finding out who works well together. Um, we, we're working together still now because we enjoy it because we work together well. And um, what's what's next in store for you guys? Well, I've graduated and a lot of these guys are still in school, which is heartbreaking to me because I, I love working with them. But I'm actually, uh, there are some other guys that I really love working with who graduated my same year. Uh, Andre Clark and RJ Layton, who are we're forming a, a company called the Peanut Gallery and trying to do some new things that are going to you know, push, push other boundaries, work, uh, do some new things with narrative and, uh, and, and with just interesting new gameplay. So, um, you know, are you still going to focus then on platformers and narrative platformers and stories like that? Um, you mentioned PE winner, bottom, and this game. Yeah, I love platformers. I absolutely, um, ever since I first played Mario 1 um, and then my favorite Mario 3, I, I absolutely adored exploring spaces and uh, just playing through worlds that way. Um, with that said, I don't think that I'm going to do just platformers for my whole life. The next game may have platforming because I, I know it, I'm sort of familiar with it, and I love it. It, it may not. We'll see. You know, I, I would like to do other things as well. We'll see. And, um, you know, how is your design, I guess, what have you learned from this project that you're going to carry forward to other game projects? What are the top things you've learned? Well, I think I've learned a lot about... Um, about how to get a player invested. Um, I think this project was a success for getting players invested, largely through the, sort of the style and the tone of the game. And I think that we've learned a lot over the course of the game about um, getting better and better at getting players invested through gameplay. I think I know a lot more from both this and PB Winterbottom about how to keep people hooked and, and moving along. And I, and I want to carry that forward into the next project with a, a strong understanding of that from the beginning. 
how do you suggest that? How do you suggest people, designers, keep folks engaged? Um, that's a that's a really tough question, but I, I've set you up for it, so it's my fault. Um, here's one thing I would say: um, don't assume that because your player doesn't understand what you want them to do, um, that they're stupid. Um, just because a player doesn't understand what's going on in your game, um, that's not their fault, and you shouldn't tell them. You should find a way to connect with them on that, because everyone just sees things and approaches things really differently, and what has become obvious to you by designing a game over a long, amount, a long time is in no way obvious to someone who's just coming here for the first time. It's from a totally different context. So um, give the players ways to give the players ways in, basically as many as you can. And um, let's see. Uh, yeah, I guess any other suggestions for other student game developers who want to make their own game? Um, yeah, just pay attention to the people around you who you want to work with. That's that's really that's pretty obvious advice, but um, maybe I'll maybe I'll, yeah. And um, have you thought of taking this idea and applying it to like an autobiographical platformer, or even to some of the more famous like Ben Franklin or something else like that that could you know, be more universal to a lot of people? Absolutely, that was one of the first things that came up. Now there's this uh, frame story inspector about uh, that that means that we wanted to do something that was actually tied into a very specific. Um, there's some very specific things in Spectre which meant that it sort of didn't work as well as an, an autobiographical thing. But I think that this form, this idea of exploring a larger timeline of someone's life and uh, picking out these stories and these worlds would be it would be great to apply to a real... Yeah, I, I was calling them gamographies. That's because I was looking at that before. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I think a gamography is something I would love to see more of that. And I would love to, uh, I would love to do more of that. I, I'm a writer and uh, I... Fiction is what I do the most of, so um, I would be totally willing to jump into there. The next thing that has me fired up is, I'm afraid, another fictional character who's in a, uh, a very different sort of world uh, and, and experience, but uh, but I would love to see autobiographical stuff. You know, so do you focus on writing for games, and um, have you studied writing for, say, multiplayer games versus single-player games? Do you notice there's a difference? Oh, there's a gigantic difference. Um, I have not studied as much writing for multiplayer games. Um, I think... I think that that is a problem which has yet to be solved elegantly. Um, right now, writing for multiplayer games, which I love, the writing will often just get in the way um, because people are sort of creating this story together. I mean, I played, played some World of Warcraft and I would skip through the text of the quests for the most part because it wasn't really part of the experience. Um, those are very different things. I don't have as much experience in writing for multiplayer, and uh, and I would, but I think that it, that is very different. Yeah, yeah, it's a very different set of rules. Okay. Um, and where where can people find out more than about the game? Well, you can download the game for free actually at uh, www.spectregame.com. So uh, please check it out. And how do you spell that? Spectre. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, it's it's the ridiculous spelling. S P E C T R E. G-A-M-E dot com. Thank you very much.